and welcome to the Scottish Politics Podcast. My name's David Clegg. I'm the political editor of The Daily Record and your host. You join me just as the Scottish Parliament prepares to break for the summer recess. It's been an eventful week with a reshuffle, a quite dramatic reshuffle in fact. I'm delighted to be joined today by Morris Golden of the Scottish Conservatives and Runa Mackay of the SNP. Uh, we'll be talking about that reshuffle as well as the other events of the week. So Morris, I'll, I'll start with you. It's been a long journey to the Scottish Parliament, I understand. Can you, uh, can you tell us about your, your journey here? You were elected in 2016, but you'd, been, you'd tried a few times before that, is that right? Yeah, I tried uh, seven times across 15 years, and after failing seven times, eventually made it the last attempt in 2016. And, you know, in fact, uh, my first few elections, I used to get more votes in student politics than I did in national elections. <laughs> so I'm, I'm glad that that trend is uh, now reversed. It was student politics, politics that you started in, was it? Yes, yes. I started there and, you know, you'd be polling anywhere between three and 4,000 votes out of an electorate of, you know, 14,000 on campus. So that was very healthy. Um, but it's really taken Ruth and uh, her... Uh, influence to turn our fortunes around and certainly my fortunes around. And what has been your reflections two years on? Was it, is it what you expected it would be? Um, I thought there would be more time to think. I mm. thought there'd be more debates in the chamber. But in fact, it's actually been very similar to other jobs I've done in the sense that you're managing an inbox, you're working projects and you're making sure that constituents are, are heard and, and are uh, helped as much as possible. Ronit, uh, you're a former uh, employee of the Daily Record, but I'm sure I'm sure that doesn't get held against you. Um, <laughs> well, <just> sometimes. <laughs> Obernugan preferential treatment here, no, David. De- definitely not. No, neutral as always. Um, t- you were a long-standing member of the SNP. Can you tell us, just tell us a bit about your route into politics? Well, as you say, I, I joined the SNP in 2000. Prior to that, I was in the Labour Party. Um, and, um, yes, yeah, so I've always been interested. I've always been, you know, fairly active. And um, after I left journalism in twenty six in two thousand and six, I um, went went to work for an MSP, okay. and um, so I kind of learned the ropes. So I kind of knew what I was getting into. Well, I knew at constituency level, mm. I didn't know this end of of the business at all. Um, so it was a big learning curve for me to do that. And how have you found it so far? I mean, does it does it uh, work from the other side? Having yeah. seen it yeah, as a staffer. It's, 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 it's re- really interesting because I used to do, um, it was Gil Patterson, I used to do his press and communications and, and some casework. So it's really interesting to see it from the other side and the press, there's pressures on both sides, obviously. Um, but uh, yeah, really, really enjoying it. Um, the Holyrood end is very intense. Um, lots of committee work going on um, and you really are, you know, pushed all the time. Um, so it's nice to get back to the constituency and, and you know, have some time there. But um, it's been a learning curve because I think you'll probably know as, as a journalist, I mean, having been a journalist for most of my professional life, I wasn't used to sticking to rules, you know, yeah. and, and the only meetings I, w- I was ever in was really union meetings. So you come here and it's very rules orientated. There's etiquette, there's meetings to go, you can't be late, all this kind of thing. So I had to use a bit of discipline and it was, it was a big learning curve. There we go. The big news this week has been the reshuffle. We'll talk about it more widely uh, in a minute, but the big the big news this morning has been Gillian Martin, the Aberdeenshire MSP, who had been appointed to a junior 
ministerial role. That nomination was withdrawn by Nicola Sturgeon this morning uh, in the light of press coverage about a, a blog that Gillian Martin had written in 2007. So it is quite an old blog and it contained various comments uh, and has been accused of being transphobic and also talking about other minorities in a way that we wouldn't necessarily expect from a politician. Do you think that was the right call, Mars? I think it was the only call that could be made. I think that uh, better vetting uh, should have taken place. Um, but I know Gillian Martin from being around the Parliament over the last two years and what her blog says and reflects isn't the person that I've known since 2016. Nevertheless, I think that uh, the comments were so extreme and repulsive that it, it was becoming an issue for all the opposition parties in terms of whether they would be able to support the appointments uh, in total. Uh, therefore, I think it was the only call that could have been made. I mean, I think that we've got to remember as well that, uh, and on the wider uh, picture, more and more people will have their identities online and we need to be very careful about dragging up blogs, tweets from 10, 15 years ago. I think in this case, I mean, the, the, the further revelations that are appearing on Twitter beyond what was reported today uh, really make it a cast iron case. But I would urge caution generally, especially for younger people who are interested in getting politics now, we need to be careful about dragging up everything that everyone said in the past and making that a resignation issue. What, what did you make of it all, Rona? Uh, obviously, you worked quite closely with Gillian. Yeah, I did. And I mean, I, I largely do agree with Morris. I, I'm still in shock, to be quite honest, because I was in committee all morning. And the first I heard of this was, I mean, I was with Gillian last night. The first I heard of this was um, when I went into the chamber, and I'm still trying to process it. And as Morris said, it's not the Gillian that I knew and was friendly with. It's not the, the, the stamp of the woman that I knew. But, um, you know, having said all that, that the First Minister had no other option, given the, you know, the serious nature of, of, of what was the language. What, what do you make about Morris's hand? I think that's quite an interesting point, and it's probably something that politicians and indeed the media will have to navigate in the future, which is everything that people say nowadays is out there online. I mean, these in previous times, these remarks may have been made privately and yeah. no one would ever have known about them, yeah. but now everything is put out there and yeah. the, the internet does not forget. So Absolutely. how, how, how do, you, do we just have to change our expectations and just realise people are going to have said things in the past that maybe don't reflect what they are now? Well, I mean, I think if anything, it will be a lesson, as Morris says, to, to younger people you know, wanting to come into public life that really what they do, no matter what age, if they're putting that out there, it, it could come back you know, to them. Um, so I think um, you just have to be really, really careful. And I think um, it's, it's just deeply depressing what's happened, to be, to be perfectly honest. Um, but it's 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 a lesson for everybody, you know. Just be careful what you what you put out there. Morris, do you think Nicola Sturgeon's been left looking a bit shaky here because this blog was not new? Uh, it had been reported on two years ago. I know that Ruth Davidson has said that Nicola Sturgeon should have been aware of this previously. Uh, do you think that there's her judgment is called into question then as well? Yeah, I think that's really the focus for Gillian Martin and the reshuffle overall. I think it is a major problem for, for Nicholas Sturgeon. The reshuffle was supposed to be about burying other bad news and instead it's become the focus and the bad news story. I think that the comment in the, in the papers uh, on, the, on, on the trans uh, uh, issue were very problematic. 
Uh, however, subsequent blogs which are appearing now are really border on uh, on racist attitudes, um, and I think that just becomes completely untenable for for Gillian to stand by, despite the fact they're historic. And you know, I think the litmus test for us was where Gillian Martin, a minister, would we be calling for her resignation? And when that was the case, then it became clear that we wouldn't have been able to support her appointment. It wouldn't be reflective of, of Parliament as a whole. But, you know, I think we also have to remember that, you know, Gillian Martin has, uh, you know, teenage children and she has a family uh, there as well. Uh, nevertheless, it was the right call. It was the right thing to do. It was actually the right thing to do for Gillian Martin taking her out because this... Uh, story could have ran and ran and that would have been problematic for everyone. Yeah. Let's talk about the reshuffle more widely then. Uh, Runa, what, 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 what did it say about the SNP, the reshuffle for you? Well, I mean, I, I think it says just what enormous wealth of talent we have. Um, if you look at the other junior ministerial appointments, I mean, most of the um, appointments reflect entirely, their portfolio reflects their professional experience mm. and that's quite something in politics for um, people to be in position who have lived in ex- lived experience of that of that post, and um, I think, you know, I think it was it, it's, it's been really positive um, at all levels. I think there, it's been positive. Having done this podcast for the last seven or eight weeks, and um, a lot of the people that have had on have tended to be from the SNP to twenty sixteen intake necessarily, uh, and I have I said before that I do think that there has been a lot of great intake actually. Across all the parties, I think the 2016 intake was 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 strong, but there was you know Kate Forbes and 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 uh, various uh, of the new intake have, have been very strong and given this appointment uh, very quickly. I just I was I was looking as well. It's quite interesting what you say on the professional basis that we have someone like Claire Hockey, who's a mental health nurse for a long standing, is now mental health minister. Are you? Would you say? Were you quite impressed with some of the names and the, the talent that was able to be brought in, Morris? I think uh, there's a number of individuals who, as you correctly identify, do have the background. And I think one reflection on my first two years in Parliament that causes uh, difficulties is you're debating across the chamber with people who don't have a knowledge of their subject area and are simply reading out speeches. I think in Claire Hawhey, we have someone who has experience. In Kate Forbes, we're someone who's, uh, who's an accountant and therefore can bring that expertise to that. I mean, in terms of what we've had previously, you know, we had the economy minister who didn't have a good grasp of the economy, as he uh, mentioned at the committee. We had the transport minister who wasn't a transport expert. So, you know, um, I'm not quite sure uh, about Humes's justice credentials, as Jackson Carlow highlighted in terms of driving without car insurance, but uh, I'm sure he's got a, a big load on his plate now. Um, I think that the other interesting part of the whole reshuffle was that as you'll be aware, the, the number of uh, cabinet secretaries and ministers have increased. There's a, obviously an associated bill with that, but the justification for the increase is because of the extra powers that are coming to the parliament. And I think that's ironic when we've heard uh, uh, notions of a power grab mentioned all week. So we're getting more powers, but there's also a power grab. I do you want, do you want to take them up on that, Ronan? Well, I, mean, I think that's a kind of strange way of looking at things, to be quite honest. We are undoubtedly getting new powers, which, you know, through, through the Scotland Act, which were coming before anything else happened. And that's come, that's without a doubt. I mean, we've got social security and other things coming. The, the power grab 
is a separate that's a separate issue. So we need to be to be prepared for um, governing Scotland the best that we can, and and I think it's entirely sensible. Um, to make these new appointments so that we're geared up to do that. And if we have our way, there won't be a power grab. What about the health brief, which was the big the big issue? Uh, Shona Robeson, there have been many calls for her resignation, although not from the Conservatives, as I recall, but from, I think, all, all the other opposition parties. Jean Freeman, who is impressed in the Social Security brief, has been given that role. It's obviously going to be a big job. Do you think that was a, the right appointment and oh, the right move? Undoubtedly, yeah, undoubtedly. I mean, um, I, mean I think Shona left... You know, in a very dignified manner. Um, after you know, being through a lot, as, as the first minister said in the chamber, um, and I think Jean Freeman is a superb appointment for that job. And I think, I think, to be honest, cross-party people think that. Would you agree, Morris? Well, I think that you know, firstly, with Shona, she's been ever present since two thousand and seven. She was, uh, you know, in particular a vociferous uh, exponent of minimum unit pricing. Mm. I think that her position was beginning to come. Untenable. It was, you know, I think as well, you know, thinking across the chamber, it got a little bit embarrassing every week with, you know, Anna Sarwar asking, you know, 25 times for a resignation. I think there becomes a point where, you know, uh, there's obviously not enough traction there. Um, however, you know, best regards to Shona, who I've always uh, enjoyed working with. I think that, you know, Jean Freeman's got the Social Security Bill with our support and support across Parliament through. And um, the task is now to really uh, uh, salvage what is a failing uh, health service with you know, many rural services uh, being cut across Scotland, um, with uh, increasing uh, problems of accessing GPs and indeed accessing the right drugs to help people. So it's a big task. Uh, we actually want to support uh, the SNP in, in salvaging the health service because it's in everybody's interest to do so and of course there'll be uh, a big dividend from the investment coming from the rest of the UK in that. Do you want to respond to any of that Runa? Yeah I mean I, I hate to see health and education being used as you know political football balls and I, and I would I would love for the whole chamber and all parties to get together to, to work together um, you know to be most effective. I mean whether that happens or not remains to be seen but I think um, there are certain elements of both um, briefs that we we need we definitely do need to do that. It's too important. It's far too important to the people that we are elected to serve. John Swinney remains uh, education secretary. Uh, there was he did that would have been a problematic afternoon for John Swinney in a way uh, when he dropped his flagship education bill. Although the reshuffle kind of took some of the, the heat off that. Um, he's obviously widely uh, respected and regarded here, but do you think he's having difficulty in that briefing, or, or that that well, was a problem? I mean, clearly, there was opposition to it, um, you know. And but I think, you know, it, it depends how you tell it. I mean, I don't think it was bad news the fact that he said um, we're going to fast track it. Um, he's come to an arrangement with COSLA, which Labour always wanted. He's come to an arrangement with head teachers, which the Conservatives always wanted. So. I can't honestly see why such a, a bad spin has been put on it. Um, if he said if it, you know if things if things don't work out, he can come back and legislate next year. But this way, he can get 
start the reforms much quicker than the long legal process that he was he'd embarked upon. But uh, and the other thing is, it shows that he was listening. I mean, he was clearly aware that there was some unrest over it. So I think the fact that he's thought, right, okay, you know, I'll, I'll compromise this. This is maybe the best way to do it. But I still have the fallback to legislate if things don't work out. So I think the, the extreme reactions from, from, from either side of the, the, the political field were, were unnecessary, frankly. Morris, do you think, uh, do you welcome the fact that these changed course? I think it's an embarrassing uh, U-turn for John Swinney and the SNP. I think education standards are falling under this SNP government. That's not good enough. They tried to bury it on the last week of term, so to speak, and they've done a relatively good job of doing that. However, the underlying issue is that uh, the SAP government are failing our children and our schools, and we need that turned around. If we can use the action plan now that the education bill is deemed not fit for purpose, then we'll do our best to do that. But we need to give more powers to head teachers. We need to ensure that our literacy and numeracy standards are improving. Not how, how, would you, how would you do that? Well, it, it's ensuring that we have the right uh, curriculum. We need to have the right testing as well um, so that um, we can uh, ensure that schools have uh, discipline as well and allow uh, far more uh, freedom of choice in terms of the delivery and ultimately access, which in many of our most deprived areas, students are being uh, excluded from choosing certain subjects because they're not available and that's simply not good enough. Just just when Morris was talking there, Ron, I was thinking 11 years in government for the SNP, I guess part of the, the strategic reasons behind what was a quite radical reshuffle, I think it was certainly the most dramatic reshuffle of the SNP's time in government, was to refresh after 11 years because inevitably mm. people get tired mm. and, and, and it's very, very difficult to, to remain but to have the polling numbers that the SNP have, certainly after 11 years in government. Given that you're 11 years in, you're, as an SNP backbencher, having to defend a record of public services. Mm. Do, do you think that there is getting to a stage now where it's becoming more difficult in that regard, or do you think they've still got a good story to tell, so to speak? I, th- I think we do, and I mean, I think that the, the polls um, show that we're, you know, our popularity is increasing, we're, you know, our... our Certainly our party membership's gone up, but it's not all just about party members. I think um, our record stands up very well, and I think, you know, it's work in progress, work is ongoing, and the fact that after 11 years we're still polling so high, way above the other parties um, in the public's eyes, I think that that says it all. And I don't agree with Morris's um, uh, opinion of the education system, you won't be surprised to hear, because um, we've invested more in education, head teachers have far more... giving power to head teachers, which is what I thought the Conservatives wanted. And um, we're closing the attainment gap slowly. It's been shown to happen. It's, nothing's going to happen overnight, but we're going in the right direction. But um, no, I think um, I think we still have, I think the best is yet to come. Morris, do you think the Scottish Conservatives will be the biggest party after the next Hollywood election? We're certainly going to be fighting on the, the mandate of Ruth for First Minister. I think there's everything to play for. Um, you know, I asked Annie Wells when she was on the podcast yeah. to, to describe Ruth's route to Pute House. How, 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 how would that work? How do you see it going? There would need to be the biggest party and then form a, a deal with another party. It seemed, it's quite difficult to see how the Maas would work on that. Yeah, I mean, if you think that, you know, we, we started off reflecting on my time in politics, you know, if, if going into 2016, 
you told me that there was a chance of getting 31 MSPs, I would have uh, laughed at you. We're now at the prospect of doing something that's, uh, that the SNP actually did come from, from 23 MSPs as they did uh, and leapfrog that into something that can form a minority government. So actually from 31, we're a, a better position than we've seen uh, historically parties do. So there's everything to play for. Obviously, there's going to need to be far more constituencies won. We're going to need to uh, see uh, how the Labour Party uh, can begin to manage themselves uh, through the process as well. And uh, ultimately, um, you know, really go for the go for the election campaign. I mean, I think even reflecting on the general election campaign from the other side, we see how you know a party with a strong hand can fall uh, quite far away, as we did with the UK Conservatives uh, at the general election. We want to do the opposite, and with Ruth at the helm, we're confident that we can be in play. Do you think the Scottish Conservatives have uh, hit their high water mark? Um, mm-hmm. I, I think they have, and you know, I, I admire Morris's optimism. I, I don't share it um, for the Conservatives because, when he rightly says, you know, they don't have many constituency seats. Uh, the polls are not particularly good um, for them, and I mean, to be fair, they're trying to defend a disastrous Westminster government which, um, you know, must be the worst government anyone can ever remember. Really? So, the worst government anyone well, can ever remember? Pretty much. Yeah, I, right, don't remember, okay. I don't remember much worse than the, the, the current crop of, right. of Tories in Westminster. Um, okay. so, you know, do you have so someone you in your mind who was worse than Yeah, <laughs> well, do tell, do tell. Well, 1970s Labour governments weren't particularly oh, great. Right. Okay. Remember, okay. three-day working week, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, you had to get okay. permission to put a phone line in. I mean, were they really better than uh, what we've got well, down in Westminster? I'm not, not, not something I'm uh, willing to adjudicate on. No, I mean, I'm, I'm probably better. Just a caveat, I wasn't actually born in the 1970s. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. No, no, no need to show off. <laughs> Um, let's let's move on to the First Minister's questions. We'll just talk about briefly because I'm aware of, of time. Um, the, I think I think the most interesting issue was the issue that Ruth Davidson raised. It was another justice issue, which she's raised justice several times in the last last month, and it was um, it was quite a it was quite a traumatic story. Uh, a young 17 year old girl called Michelle Stewart, who was uh, murdered in 2008, uh, and her family had been informed that the man responsible for her killing uh, is now out. Uh, on temporary release. Uh, Morris, this was the, an issue your party has raised. Do you want to, to tell us uh, why you think it's important and, and just a bit more about it? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the family's absolutely distraught, David. They're in Parliament today, actually, and uh, it was a terrible case of premeditated murder. Uh, uh, the individual was sentenced to a minimum 12 years. He's, he's now um, able to get out after nine now, that is just wrong. We need to be putting victims first. I mean, Ruth also highlighted a whole list of cases where uh, criminals have been let out early, sometimes just on day release, sometimes absconding and committing further crimes. I mean, it's just an appalling state of affairs that we need to ensure that those individuals are um, serving the time that they're sentenced to. We need to ensure that sentencing is looked at. I agree that, you know, uh, specific cases uh, cannot be uh, fully responded to, but they do highlight the issues over a soft-touch justice system. 
when the family are here, it's quite difficult mm-hmm. for the First Minister yeah. to r- respond in any way than with sympathy, I suppose. Do, do you think it raises a legitimate issue that you're concerned about, Rona? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you're right. It was, you know, it's a tragic case, um, one that sh- shouldn't have happened. First Minister said she will look closely at it and changes will be made if necessary. But she did stress... And I think the Conservatives know this, judiciary, hard for me to say, mm-hmm. judiciary is an independent body and we don't have control over parole or sentencing. Now, that's not to say that we shouldn't be looking at it and, and you know, and, and trying to make some sort of recommendations. But as it stands, they're, t- they're totally independent and so they should be. We don't want ministers meddling in justice matters to that extent. But, I mean, these cases are... are you know they're not acceptable, yeah. and um, it's you know, it's difficult to know how to respond to a, a parent who's of course you know daughter's been murdered and the course. guy's out after nine Absolutely. years. Absolutely, and I mean everybody has total sympathy with that, and clearly that should never have happened. But um, yeah, I mean you know as I say, the first minister did say um, she would look closely at it, and um, hopefully we you know we can see um, no more of these cases coming up. But it's it's I think if 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 things need to be changed. We will look at it, um, but you know, Ruth pressed on with individual cases um, to prove her point, and you know, f- fair enough. But the substance of it is, it's an independent um, judicial system that we have. Ruth has raised justice issues several times in the last month. Is this a deliberate strategy? You think that there's a, a weakness of the SNP government, the justice brief? I think it's yeah. I mean, you could lump in health and education with that one, but you know, certainly, I think that. Hums has got a lot on his plate. He's got a lot to take on now, and um, I think he's uh, he he's really going to have to get his teeth around issues over over the summer and begin to ensure that the victims are put first in this justice system because they're not at the moment. Okay. The final issue I wanted to talk about was uh, Donald Trump's visit, which is upcoming news today uh, from the police that the deputy chief constable Ian Livingston. Uh, is expressing concerns that if Trump does come, it's going to cost five million to police, and uh, Police Scotland will have to pick up the bill by the looks of it. I think the Home Office have already ruled out any help with that uh, spending. There's also five thousand police officers who have been told there's going to be no, their leave is cancelled if if he arrives at that period. So Trump's popularity will be plummeting even further, I suppose. Um, what do you think about this issue in general, Morris? Are you? Concerned about Trump coming to Scotland? Do you think he, some people are saying he, we should say you're not welcome here? Well, I think that we should welcome the office of the president. Uh, Trump isn't someone who I would have voted for, but nevertheless, he is the president of a democratically elected uh, state and indeed on a personal basis has uh, strong links to Scotland, to, to be blunt, and has invested hundreds of millions of pounds in Scotland as well. But nevertheless, we should um, offer... Uh, you know, our respect to the President of the United States and that currently is Donald Trump. So uh, there you go. Runa? Yeah, well, I mean, I have every sympathy with Ian Livingston. Um, I, I would not, on a personal level, I wouldn't let the man anywhere near this country. Um, but at a sort of diplomatic level, as Morris says, it's very hard to say to the, the head of state in a democratic, uh, from a democratically elected um, country then, uh, you can't come. But, I mean, the, the figures that they're talking about for security is just ridiculous. Um, and, you know, I, I just wish he wouldn't come, 
I, I basically do. And um, you know, anything we I could do to change his mind would be great because um, it's just it's just unwelcome, as far as I'm concerned. The Lib Dems have a press release out suggesting that if he does come to Scotland, it will be the most expensive round of golf of all time, <laughs> which is which is quite a good line for the Lib Dem pre- Lib Dem press team. Listen, I'm, I'm, go- I'm, go- I'm going to wrap things up now because uh, it's the summer holidays here now. The, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, su- the sun is shining, and uh, Morris and Rona have kindly agreed to stay on after Parliament is broken yeah, yeah. To, to do this podcast. What I, I'll just just a bit of information about what we're planning with the podcast over the summer. It obviously won't continue in the current format, but we'll move back to that format after recess in September. But we will have some special podcasts with uh, interviews of people of interest, so look out for those. Finally, again, I would just like to thank uh, Morris and Rona, and thank you for listening. Cheers. Thanks a lot. Thank you.